BridgeBank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to those committed to leveraging innovation to make the world a better place. BridgeBank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. BridgeBank, be bold, venture wisely. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. From KQED. Good morning. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. Even as the highly contagious BA2 subvariant spreads across the globe, California has not yet seen a sharp uptick in new coronavirus cases or hospitalizations. But in Los Angeles, more people who do test positive for COVID will now have access to treatment. As KPCC senior health reporter Jackie Fortier tells us, the test to treat program is expanding. High-risk patients with COVID symptoms can now walk into 70 clinics and county testing sites in L.A., and if they test positive, walk out with a free course of COVID treatment pills. L.A. County Public Health Director Barbara Ferrer says telehealth is also now an option for people who can't go or don't have a site close by. The DPH telehealth providers are clinicians that are available seven days a week to screen patients for eligibility and determine which medication, if any, would be appropriate for that patient. Medications are then shipped to the patient's home overnight. All of this is free of charge. The pills are antivirals, which means they stop the virus from duplicating in the body. They work best if taken as soon as COVID symptoms start. For the California Report, I'm Jackie Fortier in Los Angeles. California relies on melting snow in the Sierra Mountains to fill its reservoirs and irrigate Central Valley farms during the hot and dry summer months. That's why there's worry about just how fast snow is melting in the Sierras this early in the year, melting made worse by a spring heat wave in the state. The state snowpack is down to just 26% of average for this time of year, that number from the state's Department of Water Resources. The dry conditions also mean California forests could be primed to burn with early summer forest fires. Katrina Hand is a meteorologist with the National Weather Service in Sacramento. With the melting snowpack, uh, we do have some more exposed areas to the solar radiation. could see some drying of those fuels up there as well. And as the state faces a severe third year of drought, water officials have said many Californians can expect mandatory water restrictions. As thousands of Ukrainians seeking asylum flock to the U.S.-Mexico border, U.S. Customs and Border Protection has conditionally opened an entry south of San Diego that has been shuttered for two years. KPBS reporter Kitty Alvarado visited the Ped West border crossing in San Ysidro and tells us how this has become a welcoming area for people fleeing the war. Every Ukrainian crossing into the U.S. at the San Isidro port of entry gets a warm welcome and a big hug from a volunteer. Woohoo! Welcome! Crossing that red line means they're on American soil. But to those fleeing the sights, sounds, and sadness of war, like Viola Donchenko, it means a lot more than that. A peace, a happy. 
Border officials have reopened the Pedwest crossing to accommodate the overflow of Ukrainians coming in from Tijuana. Maria Fishoff from Encinitas is a Russian-American who is volunteering at the border crossing. She says this joyful welcome is a symbol of hope. I think that's about just people welcoming people to a brighter future. Still, this welcome is bittersweet for Viola. When it's uh, the war uh, get to the end, I want to go home. For the California Report, I'm Kitty Alvarado in San Diego. And let's stay on the border. For over two years now, the closure of the U.S.-Mexico border to most asylum seekers has left migrants in limbo. For young people especially, that means months without school or any way to fill their days. One organization in Tijuana is trying to enrich the lives of young migrants by giving them a place to learn and deal with the mental toll their journeys have taken on them. From Tijuana, reporter Max Rivlin-Nadler has more. I'm in a canyon filled with informal housing a mile south of the U.S.-Mexico border. Farm animals share space around a stream filled with household trash. For over two years, hundreds of migrants have crowded into a network of shelters here. On this morning, behind a wooden fence along the canyon, there's classical music playing as a teacher readies art supplies for her students. At the school called The Nest, Many of the teachers and all of the students are migrants looking to enter the United States whenever that becomes an option. Ten-year-old Gabriel is one of the first through the door and gives his teachers a huge hug. He's especially excited because tomorrow is his birthday. He migrated to Tijuana with his mother and four-year-old brother from Michoacan, Mexico in August. Michoacan is experiencing incredible levels of violence as the state government has ceded almost all control to organized crime. Gabriel started at The Nest in September. He tells me at The Nest what he likes most is the opportunity to help his friends learn. He says his school in Michoacan was larger. The Nest can be a bit cramped, but he likes this one better. His favorite subject right now is math. Gabriel's math teacher today is 33-year-old Walter Orlando Campos, who fled Honduras. He was an elementary school teacher there for over a decade, teaching every subject. He said he never wanted to leave Honduras, but the political crisis there gave rise to unchecked gang violence, and he saw no other option but to leave. A father of his friend was recently killed, days after receiving threats from gangs. He's been in Tijuana since July. At the Nest, he's able to earn money as a teacher and continue to help students, his life's work. It's also helped his own mental health after he uprooted his life. He says when he got to Tijuana, he didn't have any happiness. He couldn't enjoy anything. But once he found the nest, he was refreshed. The children give off such positivity. Every morning, they start with a song greeting every student to the school. Right now, there are nest locations serving migrants in Greece, the Democratic Republic of Congo, Zimbabwe, and here in Tijuana, starting in 2018. The idea, says CEO Lindsay Weissert, is to give children a break from the stress of migration. All children deserve to feel valued, and all children deserve to have a space where they can just be children 
um, away from adult conversations where past violence against them may be retold. Right now, there are thousands of migrant children living in Tijuana. The Biden administration says it plans to end a policy next month that has stopped virtually all asylum processing, meaning the months and years of waiting might soon be over. But that probably won't end regional migration patterns that have been building in recent years, especially among Central Americans. So now, the nest is expanding. Soon, they'll serve kids from 3 to 10 years old. For Doris, who fled domestic violence in Guerrero with her daughter, the nest is giving her a chance to feel proud again, especially when the kids call out to her on the street. The nest hopes to finish its expansion later this spring. For the California Report, I'm Max Rivlin-Adler in Tijuana. For many transgender and non-binary people who are dealing with medical conditions, the path to permanent housing is often met with barriers. In Los Angeles, some organizations are working to change that. From L.A., KPCC's Unhoused Communities reporter Ethan Ward has more. Those barriers include sometimes not feeling safe because of their gender identity at facilities they're placed in, leaving them with the choice of taking it or being unhoused. Bambi Salcedo is transgender and president of the Trans-Latina Coalition. She says these experiences are common. The reality is that all the institutions that we have within our society, they're not designed to support people like myself, people like us, particularly other spaces, right, like shelters, hospitals. Election season is coming up, and Salcedo, along with other advocates, are pushing to pass a bill called the Transgender Wellness and Equity Fund. It would provide money each year to aid organizations organizations that serve the transgender population by providing medical, behavioral, and spiritual care. For The California Report, I'm Ethan Ward in Los Angeles. And that is The California Report for Monday, April 11th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Saul Gonzalez. Thanks so much for listening and talk to you tomorrow. Support for the California Report comes from the California Healthcare Foundation, working to build a more effective, compassionate, and just healthcare system on the web at chcf.org/health-equity. The James Irvine Foundation, accepting nominations now for the 2023 James Irvine Foundation Leadership Awards at irvineawards.org. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy harnesses the power of people and science to create innovative solutions for a healthy environment just societies, and opportunities for human achievement. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because 
This is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? Its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out The Bay Curious Book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on The Bay Curious Podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get The Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find the link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading!